Destination Medicine is a collaborative initiative of regional training hubs. With first-hand lessons learned from those who have gone before, this podcast is designed to assist and inspire anyone interested in pursuing a medical career in rural and regional Australia. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Nicole Goodman. Associate Professor Mark Arnold is the head of the School of Rural Health, Dubbo Orange, as well as a practising rheumatologist in Western New South Wales. In fact, Mark Arnold has so many roles in his extraordinarily busy life that it's hard to know how he fits everything in. He enjoys the long relationships that he has with his patients as a result of his rheumatology work. He enjoys seeing his students thrive and develop their own careers even to becoming medical peers. He's passionate about ethics, both as a discipline in itself and as an intrinsic part of medicine, and he loves the rural life, something he would suggest anyone interested in medicine should consider. If the opportunity arises, he says, give it a go. But for all his achievements in the field of medicine today, Mark Arnold will tell us that life didn't start out so auspiciously – And medicine was not top of the list of career choices when he was still a young lad, as he explains to Heather Dawson. Look, when I was at school, I gave some thought to doing history, philosophy at uni. In fact, most people at school thought I would do that because they appreciated that I really didn't have a particularly mathematical bent or... In fact, I didn't even do biology at school, which was super dumb, actually. (laughs) Really dumb. (laughs) So I was behind the eight ball from the beginning, as you might imagine, particularly in 1978 when I started. But there you are, you muddle your way through. So from there, that inauspicious start, shall we say, how many universities did you apply to? What was the application process like? (laughs) There weren't many options. There There were three when I was at high school. So Uni of Newcastle. Their first intake was in 78, so there was that application there. I don't think I even applied because, in fact, I was advised at school, look, if there's an interview, you're a bit of a misanthrope. You mightn't come across all that well. Maybe you should just stick to the academic stuff. So I took their advice. So there was only Sydney or New South Wales, and I'm pretty sure I applied to both. But I had wanted to go to Sydney University for reasons that weren't entirely clear to me because I didn't – none of my family had been to university before. Well, you've certainly moved on well since then in the areas of rheumatology and academia. So how would you describe your current role, Mark? Well, I'm the head of a rural clinical school for Sydney University or University of Sydney as we're properly known. That's at Dubbo and Orange. And we have a large program that takes people in their final two years of a graduate medical program. So Sydney University takes people who've got a prior degree and so therefore a graduate program rather than undergraduate and really we see the two years that we can offer students out here in Dubbo and Orange is very much a clinical immersion experience which is very practical and whilst there's a large academic component to our program this is hands-on immersion with highly skilled clinicians in two really large teaching hospitals in a regional area. We take people for one year 
and on occasions we can take people for two years and they do find it very valuable practically. In 2022, we'll be having a full medical program, a stream of the Sydney Medical Program, which we'll implement in Dubbo and take students through from go to whoa, really? So that's extraordinarily exciting. It's also terrifying to make it all happen, but it's very exciting and, and I think a unique experience. So that's my university job. I do one or two other things as well. I have various roles with the Rheumatology Association. So the Australian Rheumatology Association has state branches. I'm the current vice president and I'm the convener of advanced training for rheumatology in ACT New South Wales, which means that I corral all of our heads of department in the various hospitals together and corral all of the trainees together and we try and work out who gets into the program and who goes where and when and I've been doing that for the past few years. I've been a branch councillor in New South Wales for eight years now I think, seven or eight years and I previously was the chair of the Regional Rheumatology Committee which had a remit to actually make sure that rheumatologists could travel out to undertake clinical work in regional areas usually people who are in metropolitan locations. That was a role I did for a couple of years and I've handed that on to Simon Burnett, who's a fantastic rheumatologist from South Australia. College of Physicians, I'm a divisional clinical examiner. I've just stood down from the Clinical Ethics Committee and Clinical Ethics Working Party. I run the University of Sydney's Human Research Ethics Committee number two. And I'm on the executive for our Research Ethics Committee. I'm a member of the New South Wales Medical Council. I think that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's enough, I think. <laughs> that's busy days for you, Mark. Mm. Tell me what triggered your interest in rheumatology and what pathway did you take to head in that direction? Yes. Well, look, in medical school, I realised that I was actually quite interested in musculoskeletal medicine and I thought about doing orthopaedics, but for a variety of reasons that really didn't fly with me. And I think probably I realised about in fourth year of the five-year program that I really wanted to do rheumatology. I mean, at that stage, it was quite a different speciality than it is now. A lot of people with multi-system diseases, intellectually quite challenging and also quite challenging to offer appropriate treatment in those days, which was in the Bronze Age of rheumatology, really. And we used to see people who had tremendous consequences of uncontrolled inflammation, which manifest with a high rate of cardiac disease, a high rate of malignancy, lots of infections from excessive immunosuppression, which is our only treatment option, and also other effects on other organ systems. So it was a really challenging area to be in. And I don't think that I felt that I was uniquely equipped or I had something to offer, but I found it the most interesting of anything that I had done. That said, I did an elective in musculoskeletal medicine at Lewisham Sports Medicine Centre, which was helpful because rheumatology used to be rheumatology rehab and there was a large component of either physical medicine in rheumatology, which is what we would have called orthopaedic medicine back then, and then on the other hand, there's immunology and general medicine in between. So it was an area where 
you really had to have a good grounding in general medicine, a good grounding in physical medicine, and sort of understand immunology too. But remember when I was at university, HIV had only been described in 1981, so how much of that had filtered down to medical students? Not a great deal. So that's why I say we're in the Bronze Age. So is it emerging out of the Bronze Age now, though? Would you say that it's an exciting area of medicine for people who might be considering rheumatology? Yeah, well, I think over 30 odd years of doing rheumatology, it's been transformational, the way that we can look after people. So now we have an extraordinary array of really effective treatments that are actually much less problematic to use. So we can then concentrate on what I think is important in medicine rather than the crude outcome of making sure that people's joints aren't destroyed or they have organ failure as a consequence of a multi-system disease. We can actually look at trying to understand what's important for those people to live their lives the way they want to live. And we can now think about that. Whereas before, we had to deal with the biology first and foremost, because if we didn't deal with that, their survival was so poor in many conditions. And that's dramatically changed. So it's allowed rheumatology to incorporate really challenging technological innovations in medicine and actually use it for humanitarian ends, which is why I'm actually really pleased I did it. Well, Mark, you obviously do so many different things in your medical career. What would you say is the most rewarding role that you've got and why would that be? The thing that's the most satisfying? Well, there's two aspects really. I mean, the first is when you have been involved with medical students training and you see people graduate to become hospital doctors and then get into training systems, training schemes progress through those schemes, graduate, and then you end up working with them as colleagues, which is interesting. It's actually quite interesting for them because there's always a power dynamic in everything that we do in all of our lives. And having been someone's teacher, tutor, mentor, then when you're actually deferring to them because they actually know more about stuff than you do. (laughs) And the look on someone's face when I say, well, look, that's your area. You need to tell me. It's what I used to tell my trainees, look, I'll teach you some rheumatology, but you'll keep me safe with general and other internal medicine because you're current in that and, you know, I'm a subspecialist. So that's really satisfying. So tremendous number of people I've had involvement with who've become great general practitioners, great anaesthetists, great surgeons, great physicians and good people too, which is, you can't really be a good doctor without being a a decent person. So that's highly satisfying. But Nowadays, because I don't do so much clinical work, clinical work is an important part of what I do. I didn't mention that in the list of all the other things I do, but I I do about a day and a half, two days clinical work a week. And seeing people actually improve and being able to go and live their lives the way they want is highly satisfying, particularly out in a regional area where the social gradient works and there are a lot of health disparities and it's very rewarding to see people getting their lives back on track and doing what they want to do. In your role as head of the School of Rural Health across Dubbo and Orange, are there challenges as well as rewards? Yeah, well, they're 150 kilometres apart, which is a challenge. I mean, there's that old truism that if you've lived in and worked in one country town, you've lived and worked in one country town, and Dubbo and Orange are different places. And so it's interesting to have that difference Orange is a different town to Dubbo entirely. 
the physicians that I work with, I'm using physicians in the global sense, not just as internal medicine, have their different interests and their different priorities from town to town. At the end of all of that, though, we're still in the business of providing good care for patients. Regional hospitals seem to be under many challenges that metropolitan hospitals also face, but they're amplified out here because of budgetary squeezes and the need to provide comprehensive care to people who have lots of health issues and health problems that arise from economic and social disparities. I'm a bit of a cynic. We have a universal healthcare system which purports to take care of everybody equally. <laughs> Look, it tries, it doesn't, and we have to be advocates for our patients out here to make sure that we're not an afterthought in medicine. And I think that's a role that we emphasise to students, advocacy in medicine, and it's a role that in Dubbo and Orange, I think all of my colleagues take very seriously to be an advocate for the people in the area to make sure that we're not marginalised. So what advice would you give, Mark, to students, perhaps ones that are already there with you, but ones studying in metropolitan areas, to consider moving to a regional or rural area to practice their medicine? Well, we have this discussion a lot about what is it that makes people want to work out of a metropolitan area. Well, firstly, if people are prepared for a challenge, it certainly is a challenge because of resourcing and availability of some of the investigations that we need to do for patients, the practicality of arranging those things, whether they actually make a difference, similar issues with implementing treatment. These are challenging things and they actually make you do real medicine. You actually have to be careful and continent about what you're asking and ordering and what you're treating because it's all very well to say, well, you need an MRI of your neck for this, that and the other. But, well, doctor, I've got to travel 500 kilometres and I'll probably have to stay overnight somewhere to have that done and then I've got to travel back. So how practically do I do that? So that is actually a challenge and you end up being a bit of a quartermaster uh, for patients actually trying to arrange all of those things. So there's that challenge. There's the advantage of working in a rural area is it is, I think, ultimately a lot more what medicine is about, how you actually influence the lives of people for good. That might sound a bit of a homily, but really I think out here you can see how people's lives are better or you can actually improve their lives to live them the way they want, a little bit more than in the city. There's also the network of colleagues that you have out in a rural area, which is similar to working in a hospital in Sydney in the 70s and 80s where everybody knew one another and you're not a faceless person in an organisation. People talk about the medico-industrial complex. You're in a big business in a hospital and you're not depersonalised, but it is far more personal out in a regional area, working as a hospital doctor and working as a as a physician in the area. With that comes its challenges too, how you negotiate the boundaries between being a doctor and being a person in a rural area. So that's a different skill set. But I think ultimately it's very satisfying. You could talk about there are any number of other imperatives as to why you wouldn't want to work in a city such as traffic, etc, 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 which are always thought of as imperatives to come out rurally. But as in medicine, we all often talk about risk-benefit. I try and reframe that and talk about benefit-risk. There's a benefit from working rurally and having a long-term rural career. Yes, there is a risk, but no, we've got to reframe how we talk about things. Let's not talk about risk-benefit. 
talk about benefit risk with medical treatment and with choices that you make in your life and you know open yourself up to a bit of adventure I mean I made the change to working rurally midway through my career I suppose having worked in a metropolitan hospital forever really I was a student there and I worked not on staff I was a VMO there and I felt like I was part of the garden furniture out in the garden not in the main part of the building but out with the garden gnomes you know there was a sense of having not having done as much as you could do but having a sense that you could probably do a little bit more and it was probably time to actually have a bit of an adventure and fortunately my family agreed (laughs) so what advice would you give to a student or do you give to your students um, if they're unsure about what career path to take And perhaps I could add to that by saying if rheumatology was just being thought about, perhaps. Well, I think rheumatology is, it's not unique in internal medicine as a discipline, but it is something that allows you to have longitudinal care of people for an enormous amount of time. I still see someone that I first met when I was a resident in 1984, and I'm I'm still looking after them. They haven't got bored with me yet, which is good. So that's nice, and that's similar to the relationships that you have in general practice. Rheumatology actually is all about relationships, particularly with inflammatory diseases. It's about continuity of care and understanding how those people live their lives. I think that's highly satisfying. So that's at one level. At the other level, there is that technological and intellectual challenge of dealing with difficult multi-system diseases and in an area which is undergoing still a lot of technological improvement and refinement. So I think that the treatments that students today, if they choose to do rheumatology, will be using in 20 years' time are going to be vastly different from what we use at the moment. And we think we're doing pretty well at the moment, but I'm sure we can do better. Looking back over your career... Are there any memorable moments in your career that you'd like to share with us? The milestones, the things that I'm really pleased about is that I eventually re-engaged with academic medicine after having been somewhat disillusioned early in my career with it. And re-engaging has been really helpful. Re-engaging with research and particularly research ethics and going back to the things that were interesting for me and the discipline of bioethics, which didn't exist when I was a medical student, it became a thing. And that's actually probably one of the most foundational changes that I made in my career was to go back and do a master's by coursework in bioethics, which has eventually led on to, to a doctorate. And that has been something that's really broadened the depth of what I do in my clinical career. So I think the advice that comes out is keep yourself open to opportunities. And if you see things that are interesting, please try them out. And your final words? If you're thinking about medicine, think about rural medicine globally and any opportunity that comes up to spend some time in a regional or rural area, please take it because the longer you'll spend there, even if you don't work rurally, it'll still give you a great grounding in how people live their lives out of a metropolitan area and what's important for them. And so when you do look after them, even if you don't work out in the bush and even if you're not a fly-in, fly-out or drive-in, drive-out person, you'll actually be able to give those people better care because you'll understand that their lives are lived somewhat differently from someone within six kilometres of a CBD somewhere. And remember that people have lives outside the consulting room. So it's your obligation to find out how they live the rest of their life in between your visits so you can make those lives better. Associate Professor Mark Arnold from the School of Rural Health, Dubbo Orange. This is Destination Medicine. Thanks for listening.
Regional training hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program.